Imagine you're a professional athlete coming to the United States in hopes of pursuing a career playing your sport of choice. You're trying to learn English, navigate being an ocean away from family, and figure out how to assimilate into American culture. It would be difficult, right? For today's guest, Lisa Bontesumi, sitting down with foreign athletes and working through all of those issues is her exact job description. Welcome back to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. Bontesumi comes to the sports psychology world through social work. She's a licensed clinical social worker and found the athlete mental health sphere when she had already begun her social work career. Her dream was to work with individuals on a one-to-one basis, and she had found that while working as a social worker in a group home. Deeply embedded in clinical psychology, Bontesumi saw her life begin to thrive. But having her daughter changed that entire perspective. Her daughter began playing high-level sports, and Bontesumi saw that she and her teammates were exhibiting the same clinical issues as a result of sport participation that Bontesumi had identified during her social work experience. Yeah, so the beginning of the career, my career, I didn't work with athletes. So I've been licensed for over 20 years, but I made the pivot about three years ago. Um, inspired by my daughter, who's an elite, um, high-performing softball player. She's 14, but she's, you know, every weekend in the summer, we're somewhere, like all our family vacations are surrounded by, you know, okay, she has a tournament here, let's do something around it. Um, so she inspired me to, to make the pivot. And, and it's, it's just so amazing and wonderful what children can teach about you um, when we're supposed to be the ones teaching them. But I learned so much about myself through her every day. But when I made the pivot, it really, there's such a deeper personal experience with it through her, but then me being a former competitive athlete, like just recalling, remembering the rigor, the rigor and like understanding and really empathizing with how no one really was there for me or like really understood what I was going through. And then when I left the sport due to injury, um, not planned, like the dark place I was in um, and not having anybody really to turn to. And I pushed all of that. That was like trauma for me. I pushed all that to the side. I really, really never even really reconnected to it until my daughter started playing again. So she's helped me heal some of that stuff. And so I'm in my purpose more than ever right now. And like being there for people um, in ways that no one was there for me. That's super important. And, and, you know, I feel like this shift for me is I feel 20 years younger, like I'm, as a kid say, living my best life, like I'm super inspired every day by these humans I get to interact with on a regular basis. And I think what's changed is that I'm truly this time of my life, you know, truly knee deep in, in my purpose and passion. And that that means like the world to me. It was enough to send Bontesumi back to school, this time to pursue CMPC certification. I went back to school and took coursework. I'd been licensed already in the clinical side for 20 years. I went back and did the coursework for that, did those mentored hours. And then now scheduled my exam in November. So hopefully I'll get my certification too to make that more formal and sort of recognized when people wanna seek that type of service. So I do both. Not a lot of people do, some people do. Um, It depends on your training and your expertise and, and your interest. Bontesumi knew immediately that this track was where she was supposed to be. Even though she came in without the intricate knowledge of sports psychology, 
the crossover from her social work experience was extensive. The mental skills training, as you've probably known from all the other guests that you've had and, and friends, that those are life skills as well. Like how to emotionally regulate yourself in a situation, how to handle performance anxiety, whether it's a test, an exam, a speech, or a competition. Um, how to set goals, you know, set goals that are realistic and measurable and attainable and time bound, like that helps with life, helps in the classroom, helps in your career, it helps with your sport. So the cool thing is, is that sometimes the athletes might come to me like, I wanna deal with the sport performance and then we'll see about the mental health, like people who are still a little bit unsure about what it really could look like or how they feel about talking about that. And I'm always making the connection that what we're training on right now and setting up a system for, for you here, for your sport is totally transferable to any other area that you would like. It's just tweaking the language a little bit. She finds that approaching athlete mental health while prioritizing the entire human being works best, especially when the athlete may be apprehensive to talk about those topics in the first place. I talk about it holistically and I'm always curious. Like, so is the performance anxiety you're having in your sport, are there other areas in your life where you're having a little bit of anxiety? Because it can go the other way around too. It can start in your life and then trickle into your sport. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have skills in both areas. So I don't have to differentiate it. It's an ongoing conversation because the way I see it, I don't wait for it to become clinical to talk about it. You know, I, I, it, it's before it becomes a mental health challenge or concern or disorder that we're already like making sure that we're addressing like the holistic human in all the areas and domains of life. When an athlete first comes in to speak with her, there are a few things that stick out to Bontesumi on the initial analysis. I want to know more about like what they mean. I'm, I'm assessing it. I'm assessing the situation um, and looking at it holistically. Like I said, I mean, I think that there are many conversations I have with my athletes where we don't talk about the sport. Like if they want to talk about it and that's where they're at that day, then we can talk about it. They might want to talk about the grandparent that they're taking care of or the exam that's coming up or the dance or the game that, that they're watching, like the football game when they play soccer, like as a student that they're involved in. Um, next steps after graduation. I have a lot of seniors graduating from college. And so what's the next step, life, life after sports? So I let them lead. I go wherever they tell me, you know, wherever they think on that day they need support, that's where we'll go. There's many sessions where, and weeks go by without talking about the sport sometimes. When, even though it's been such a big part of your life, it's an expression of a side of you. And so I'm encouraging people that, you know, when we start work, first start working is like, what other interests do you have? Like, what are the areas of expression do you want to pursue or have wanted to and haven't had a chance? Like, even if you do it 10 minutes a week, that's something. Um, and just get, letting them know that they are valued as humans and not just what they do and how they perform. So then that actually then takes pressure off the performance because it's not so heavy and loaded that like, oh, if I don't do well in this game or do my part, then I'm a bad person. When they have other ways to express themselves that they feel confident and good about, that the, the, it's better. It's just better because they have more of a, a wide view of how they feel about themselves and how they can express themselves. Bontesumi was recently hired by the Oakland Roots, Oakland, California's Major League Soccer team, to become the team's first mental health and sport performance specialist. I have one, one experience with one of my pro, pro soccer players on the Oakland Roots where I'm the, the mental health and sport performance specialist. He 
he came to me solely to talk about performance. We haven't really talked about life just a little bit here and there, but I think that's his personality to warm up to it. Um, but he was like, we did imagery and process goals for him. And we were very specific in this situation. Like he wants to, he wants to win every 50, uh, 50, 50 ball, every one V one situation. And so we co-created an imagery script where he could really see it all from all senses. And then he trained on it by either writing it once a day or listening to a self-recorded audio of himself reading it out loud. And then it became, oh, the pregame ritual. I want to fine tune that and include my script in there. Um, and so he, like by, this is rare, I think. It depends on where they're at. But within a week that like the next two games, he really found there was a difference that he's like, oh, I can't believe it. Like I actually did what I saw in that imagery thing that we did. I'm like, sweet, really? Let's talk about it. Like, what did you see and how did that go? And he's like, he told me and then it was like, oh, cool, let's let's continue. And so he wants to read more about it. He's super into like sports psychology now and the, the power of the brain and the mind. And so that's one example, like he was primed and ready, ready to take it there. Um, so, and he's very coachable and trained really regularly on it. And he's just inspired and has more confidence and wants to do more and learn more. So that's a really cool story. Like that's rare. It's rare and very cool that it happens that quickly, but everybody's brain's different about how they respond to it and how, how malleable the brain is in that moment when we start. And so that's a, that's, that's a great story. People have been asking me like, how have you, did you get this opportunity? How did you get that opportunity? It's nurturing relationships. That's how I do it. And being open to a conversation with anyone who would like to talk to me, ask me questions, or if I could ask them questions. So working with the roots started from a conversation built on relationships. There was no job posting. There was no sort of like idea that they wanted to do this, but you know, as, as I, I was introduced to one person and they introduced me to more and more and more, um, the next thing I knew, oh, let's create your title. Let's do, let's do mental health and sport performance specialist. I'm like, okay, sweet. And then like a contract was drawn up and then there it was. So it wasn't even anything until we talked about it, talked it into something. Um, and so what I do there is I make sure that the guys are the most mentally healthy as possible. Um, and that's talking about basically everything off the field. So their wives, their girlfriends, their partners, their children, their parents, um, COVID, um, you know, racism, linguistic issues, navigating resources. So I do sessions that can be 50 minutes long, but I also do micro sessions that are 25. So we were doing them on Zoom. Um, and then I go to, I watch all the games um, and take notes and write feedback so that when I communicate with them, I have that perspective individually from their, their experience. Um, and then I go to all the home games and do that in person. So that's awesome to go and be in that environment. And then I text all the guys before and after each game and just give them a little pump up or a little like, hey, where are you at in your mind right now? Or like just a little something. And some, they can respond or they don't respond, but I'm always, I, I'm trying to continue to deepen and build the rapport in unique individual ways. 
Um, going to the home games is great because I get they get to see me. They see that I'm there, that I'm I'm watching and cheering. And then I do the mental sport performance side too. So if they want to deal with a particular uh, performance issue that impacts their game and their mental game um, in soccer, then we talk about that. So again, it's like whatever they want, I'm there and it's totally confidential. And they know that I'm not going to be telling their coach or assistant coach or trainer or owner that this is happening. Um, what we do is like every um, re very regularly, every few weeks, we talk about the themes. So I'll have meetings with the technical staff and talk about themes, but I won't mention the guys' names. But I'm like, like right now, what's going through the guys' heads right now is this, and these are some recommendations to further support that. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do with the roots. As of 2020, 42% of Major League Soccer teams employed some sort of sports psychology-based professional on staff, according to research done by SUNY Fredonia. Bontesumi says that the work she does has to be hands-on or doesn't resonate. Even though she acknowledges that athletes see performance issues and clinical issues as separate, Bontesumi knows that under nearly all performance issues is a clinical underbelly that needs to be addressed. I want to say it's 80% performance. Um, and it turns out to be 90% of those presenting with performance, it's, it's, um, mental health at that we need to address first so that the performance, um, on the field can improve. Um, I find a lot of times that actually the athlete's been struggling with anxiety or depression for a long time and hasn't really known what it was or how to talk about it, especially like the younger athletes like that are maybe seniors in high school um, to graduating from college. Um, and so we address that. I mean, and some, I'll just be honest, some of my, um, and this is important to talk about too, some of my athletes at that, at that age group and that level, um, I say to a lot of them, like, I think it'd be great to have an informational conversation with a psychiatrist and I talk about what that conversation could, could be like and go. And then at that time, I'd say 95% get on medication at that time. And, and within the titration onto that medication, they feel a lot better, um, like six to eight weeks later. And then they just feel better as a person, more confident, and they perform better on, on the field of play because they have that extra support. Um, so it's very rewarding when something like that can happen, when they've been struggling and feeling so bad for so long, not knowing why, you know, they can come to me about their sport. And then I'm like, well, wait, I'm kind of curious about this. Can we talk about this? And then it uncovers this whole other thing. Um, and they just get like another source of support along with the relationship with me um, that can, just really helps their overall life. She makes herself available to all who seek her assistance even if they don't recognize the severity of their problems off the bat. I'm there for those who want to engage. So it's not mandatory. It's not forced. It's not, um, you know, something they, they will talk to me if they want to. So there are people that there are athletes on the woods that don't, and that's okay. You know, like, like they'll hear that. They, I've actually heard from some of them, like books that they buy or things that they have, or like that the guys will say like, where did you learn that? Or is that, that book's from Lisa, huh? Or like, so like, it kind of happens that way. They'll talk amongst themselves, but everybody has their own reason about why they wouldn't. I think their stigma is still very alive. Um, and, and cross-culturally, that's very um, much more emphasized. Like, like 
a lot of my guys are from Europe, Africa. Um, and so there's not even really talk about emotions, much less mental health in those countries on a lot of levels and then within their families. Um, so there's a lot of um, misinformation, lack of information, myths um, about what mental health is. It's so important to be able to say that mental health is not mental illness. I think in a lot of cultures to, to say mental health means that you're crazy and that there's no differentiation between the two. And so trying to just in some of the team talks and some of the team um, activities we do, like just being with them and doing stuff and not labeling it this or that. And so they, so they just get a sense of what it could be and a sense of who I am. The 2020 Oakland Roots team rosters nine foreign players from the likes of Germany, Japan, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mexico, England, Argentina, the Netherlands, and South Africa. For Bontesumi, this culture and language barrier creates an inherent difficulty when it comes to her work's relatable nature. Because they don't know who you are, they, don't, they haven't had a chance to talk with you yet or don't feel like they want to or can. And so I let them, I let them just be where they're at. Um, and if they want to talk, you know, I might just say, yeah, let's just check in for 10 minutes just so they can see like what the conversation can be like without talking about anything in particular. Um, like how I was training today, you know, like um, what'd you have for lunch? Like what movie have you watched lately? Like light stuff just for them. Like, and I say a lot about me, like, well, I did this and I was doing this. And like, have you ever tried that? Or did, like the other day, this is not an example of an obstinate one, but like we were talking about something and I was like, oh yeah, Indian food, it came up. And he was like, are you Indian? I'm like, no, but that's a great question. I'm like, are you? And he's like, yeah. And then he had this whole story about his Indian grandfather and his ancestry and his history in these, this country and that country. And it went to a really cool conversation. But we didn't talk about the sport at all. And so like just letting those types of things run. And so that's an opportunity to connect. Some of the athletes she works with aren't accustomed to emotional vulnerability. So it forces Bontesumi to reassess her approach. Some it's, it's new um, and some it's not. It depends. They've been on other teams that have had um, sports psychologists um, and they found it was helpful. I find that with the roots, it's the, it's the veterans and the older guys who utilize it the most, which some may be surprised or not surprised by that, but that's the pattern that I see. But I think the key is that there's belief. There's belief in training your mind. I think, I mean, on the roots, there's guys that are, 16 all the way to 33. And so people have life, different life experiences, different lived experiences that have shown them that being able to access this part of their repertoire, this resource within them is valuable. You know, so I think it has a lot to do with experience, life experience and lived experience about like how they access it or not. For those having their first sports psych experience with Bontasumi, she takes extra precautions to make sure that the environment is conducive to their cultural and emotional vulnerabilities. One thing I always want to make sure I, I have the opportunity to comment on, like in podcasts like this one, is the role that um, race, ethnicity, culture, and religion play on the stigma around seeking a conversation with a mental health clinician. That, that can be, there can be huge barriers there. Um, and historical um, context for a race of folks or a culture of folks where 
the, the medical community did not treat them well and the trust about like, if I'm going to tell you this, like, what are you really going to do with it? Or how are you going to use it against me? Or are you going to tell someone? So not the, the, the lack of trust in, in this, you know, historically oppressive society and institution of medicine per se. Um, they don't know how to differentiate like a doctor with a medical background, someone like me, it's different. Um, and just taking the time to try to provide information around that, but it, it's a huge block um, for a lot of athletes. And, and I've I experienced it on the roots of like, I don't really get what this is. I don't really get what you do. I don't really know who you are. And like, just sort of a weird way of like, like how do I start that process? Um, and try to make it, that's why I like to show up in like more informal settings so they can at least just see me and vibe me just a little bit. Um, but bringing that piece up, the, the sort of diversity issues um, that are included in, in the stigma that's still so loud. Discovering these athletes as men instead of entertainers means that Bontasumi has to dig deep. She enters these sessions without an agenda, trying to make the space around them as comfortable as possible. Coming from the place of like, I'm not an expert. Like I, this is a conversation. This is a mutually respectful relationship. Like let's, let's talk with no agenda, with no like um, sort of rigid professionalism that keeps us from connecting. So, and I asked specific, like, you know, like, well, what was it like for you? What, where you lived? How is it different here? How are you experiencing it? Like, how are you dealing with the language barrier? Because I use interpreters sometimes with my work. Um, so it's just being more curious about the things that, that aren't, aren't even relevant to someone who's been here and born here and lived here their whole life. Knowing that the process of acculturation, assimilation and, and immigration, racism potentially, and like just, and the country that they come from, what the sort of historical background politically, um, you know, is there and how that might come into their experience here. I mean, I think we're now talking about like the more macro trauma. There's there's interpersonal trauma, but the trauma of a war-torn country that maybe your parents fled from and brought you here or that you were a part of. Like those are all things that, um, you know, I want them to know that I'm okay talking to them about and, and want to if they want to. Bontasumi says that watching these professional athletes become more familiar with the ways that their emotions and minds work lights her up. She always sends the players' post-game acknowledgement texts to keep their mental state steady and their self-talk positive following a win or a loss. I don't, I'd say it's not a perfect mindset, but it's a perfect mindset for that person. Like I, I often say, it's, there's no right or wrong. It's what's right for you. Um, and so making it individualized, making it custom to them, being super specific and detailed. Um, I think mindset is a combination of uh, the most positive mental health you can have at that given point in your time, plus performing at, at your most peak in your sport. So when those things are, are solid and grounded and you feel confident about it, your mindset just follows. Breaking through to those apprehensive athletes can be difficult, but when it happens, Bontasumi feels like she's truly changing lives. I mean, honestly, I think that's just a verification of what I already do. It's a recognition on a larger level of what I already do. So um, I, 
it's funny you ask because I'm now I've established my LLC. At, it's called Ath Mindset, and I'm going to be actually building a team of clinicians and sport performance consultants to work alongside me to do this work. So what it means is I'm going to become even more knee deep in the entrepreneurial side while also making sure I'm emphasizing the clinical piece and the sport performance piece so I can keep learning through my work about what the athletes are talking about, what they're feeling, what their issues are, what, what their concerns are, what their joys are, so that I can keep applying um, my work relevantly. And so, and being able to work alongside a team of people who are all doing the same work. So that's the future. Thanks for tuning in to the 35th episode of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellert. You can learn more about Ath Mindset and everything else Bontasumi has in the works at the link in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about Bontasumi's work, give her a follow on Instagram, at Lisa Bontasumi. If you or someone you know have a story you'd like to share, send us an Instagram DM at CloserMental. You can also watch full interviews with all of my guests on Closer Mentality Uncensored on YouTube. It's also with the link in the show notes. Next week, I'm really excited to bring on BMX rider Joss Camara to talk about her experience with extreme sports and female domination in a historically male sport. But until then, see you next week. Music